Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And a welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Today, we talk to the farm winner. For Monday in the 620 CKRM Country Cookout Contest, we head to Kelleher to discuss seeding, the impact of COVID-19, markets, and soil moisture. We have the latest survey from the CFIB showing farmers urgently need government support during the COVID-19 outbreak to ensure a stable food supply in Canada. The Real Agriculture Update looks at a study on control of wild oats. A two-part feature today, led by University of Regina professor, is designed to precisely target weeds and substantially reduce herbicide costs for farmers. It's all done through a use of high-tech equipment. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by the Candiac Auction Mart. To consign your cattle, call them today at 424-2967. And Canadian Hail Agencies, providing you hail insurance for 25 years. Contact your broker today to see why Canadian hail adjusters are voted the best in the industry. A farm family from Kelleher, about 140 kilometers northeast of Regina, is today's winner in the Spring Country Cookout Contest on 620 CKRM. Kevin and Sharon Say farm about 6,800 acres. Kevin Say says seeding is almost three-quarters complete. Uh, we're pretty close to 70% completed already. How many days left? Uh, I'd say we'd be done by about four or five days. And what is soil moisture like? It's adequate. So you need moisture? No, we, we'll be fine for a little while, but in a week or two we sure need, yeah. When did you finish harvest? We finished on the 16th of May. What was that like? How did harvest go? Oh, it went, but it, it was okay. I mean, the yields are still there, but the quality is pretty bad. Tell me about the uh, seeding your plans are for this spring. What what did you plant in? What are you putting in? We're putting in uh, spring wheat and corn. That's it. Any big changes? Is that kind of your usual rotation? Right now, that's our usual rotation. What impact has COVID-19 had on the farm? Right now, not not much for me anyway, personally, but it hasn't really changed too much. It's business as usual. I understand, though, you've had a few extra hands to help? Yep. These are nephews that can't, no summer jobs, no school, so they're helping us out. So that's it. How's pastures up in your neck of the woods? Uh... Yeah, they're green. That's for, I'll say that. Compared to last year, they're way better. What are your thoughts on markets? How do green markets look this spring? Uh, they're pretty flat as far as I'm concerned. Just, there's nothing nothing exciting out there, that's for sure. Kevin Say farms at Kelleher, about 140 kilometers northeast of Regina. Kevin and Sharon Say are today's winners of a free meal from Peg's Kitchen and other treats in the 620 CKRM Country Cookout Contest. Back in a moment. The Canadian Federation of Independent Business says a new survey shows urgent government help is needed for farmers because of the COVID-19 pandemic. 
CFIB Vice President Marilyn Braun Poland says she has heard heartbreaking stories and there must be expanded federal support for farmers. Well, we know these are extremely stressful and uncertain times in the ag sector. Uh, we, you know, as the supply chain problems cascade uh, down through the sector all the way to the primary producer. So, you know, food pro- uh, producers are are urgently asking for more help from the government, uh, you know, amid the supply chain interruptions, labor shortages, mounting costs. And what our, you know, survey results show is only 29% of farmers say the federal emergency funding that was recently announced will be helpful uh, to their agribusiness. business. And, you know, we've been hearing heartbreaking stories about farmers having to either plow down crops, destroy produce, or even contemplate putting down their livestock due to the reduced capacity in processing facilities or changes in market demand brought on by COVID. And so that's why the government needs to move quickly and provide more support um, for the industry uh, to protect uh, Canada's food supply. Why does the federal government need to move so fast? Well, I think when you when you look at it, um, you know, the, the pandemic has had a devastating impact on the egg sector. Farmers are facing many challenges as they navigate the pandemic, including either reduced cash flow, shortage of labor, uh, dealing with reduced and changing demand, uh, supply chain disruptions, you know, protecting themselves and their employees. And we've seen the outbreaks in the meat processing sector. It continues to reduce our capacity or slaughter capacity. Uh, and that has an impact on our beef, pork, and poultry producers, um, as well as the backgrounding of feedlot operators. And, you know, as animals are kept on the farm longer, feed bills and losses uh, continue to mount. And we see that, you know, that impact has been with processing facilities not at full capacity. We've heard of the numbers, uh, upwards of 130,000 head of cattle uh, on hold in Western Canada. Um, that's increasing feed costs and depressing market prices. So you look at that impact, but then also vegetable growers who have seen their, um, you know, their the demand for their product disappear overnight. And that's a big reason why our horticultural uh, growers across the country are suffering because the shuttered restaurants have, have vir- virtually dried up demand. So the repercussion and the ripple effect to the whole supply chain uh, is having an impact. And, and so, you know, we, we certainly have recognized what the, the federal government has done and have, you know, have said that's a good first step. And But what our results show and survey results show that there's much more needed to address the devastating impacts of COVID on the egg sector. And the federal government has said that, you know, the measures that they introduced a couple of weeks ago is an initial investment. And if they need to do more, they will. Well, now is the time to do more. Do you have a number in mind what how much the federal government support should reach? Well, you know that's um, that's certainly it's got to be more than uh, more than the amount that they they had had introduced a couple of weeks ago. And we've heard you know we've heard a number of, of numbers. I think the fact is we need to make sure it's substantive enough. And so it's hard to come up with a specific number, but it's it certainly got to be much much more than than what we've seen to date. Two, three, four, t- five times that. But. You know, when you look at that, they've got to make sure they also fix the BRM programs as well. And, and that's ho- hopefully what they can do. And, and it is time to fix those those BRM uh, programs. And, you know, we also, there's a common sense fix here. And we, we also need to exempt propane, natural gas, and aviation fuel used for farming activities from the federal carbon tax. We know a lot of farmers are, you know, in the tractor putting their crop in. Many of them just in the last weeks have finished up harvest 2019 and have incurred the cost of carbon tax. And we just think a common sense approach would be to, you know, scrap the carbon tax and and, and uh, exempt it for farm activities, uh, exempting propane, natural gas. We, we have research that shows on average last year, farmers paid about $14,000 in federal carbon tax. So 
providing those additional exemptions to the federal carbon tax could provide some meaningful help to a to a farmer's profitability. And it's a I think it's a, a one that the government should act on. It's a common sense fix. But we also can't take our eye off the ball of you know still focusing on trade and market access for all our ag products. And that's something that we hope the government can continue to do. So we need action now, and, and we hope that we will hear some some news sooner rather than later. And, you know, we've heard the numbers. The livestock sector alone have seen mounting costs and losses for the past several weeks. You know, the Cattlemen's Association has put a number of about half a billion dollar loss by June. Uh, Pork Council has said that industry-wide losses could be north of $600 million. These are substantive losses. And so, you know, it's, it's time for some extraordinary measures to ensure our food supply is protected. And that farmers also have adequate backup backstops to keep them through this this pandemic. Marilyn Braun Poland is CFIB's Vice President, Western Canada and Agribusiness. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney on the Source 620 CKRM. This is your Real Agriculture Update brought to you by the Mind Your Farm Business Podcast. Stay on top of farm management issues year-round at mindyourfarmbusiness.com. Kara Ustros here with realagriculture.com. We are back here today with another Pulse School episode, and I have here with me Brianne Tideman, who is a research scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada based in Lacombe, Alberta. How is it going today? Pretty good. How about you, Kara? Great. So we're here today to talk about a... Uh, study you recently published about wild oats and how we can uh, how we can further control them especially with a lot of the resistance we are facing across the prairies so what are some of the things you have found so this was a study looking at cutting off the wild oats um, so because of the resistance that we're seeing with seeing with herbicides um, and you know we had I am the harvest weed seed control girl. Ideally, we'd be able to target them with harvest weed seed control, but those seeds tend to shed before we can harvest. So this was, what else could we potentially do? Um, And it came from the idea that when you drive across the prairies in July and August, you can always see when there's wild oats in a field. They're they're weed that doesn't hide well, you can see them. Uh, And so the idea was, since we can see them, that means they're above the crop. Maybe we can cut those off. Um, and we, we've talked to producers about this before. It's, it's been of interest, especially for organic producers. Um, and one of the questions that we get is, when are those seeds viable? So if you think about it, if, if the seed is not viable and you cut it off before that seed could actually produce a new plant, fantastic. You just did seed control on, on the wild oats. But if the seed is already viable when you cut it off and that seed head falls to the ground, all you did is put more seeds on the ground. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where it's not going to be a great fit. And when we would get the question on, you know, when are those seeds viable, we didn't really have an answer. So that's one of the things that we wanted to look at in here. So what we did is when the panicles would come above our crops and we used lentils and wheat, so a nice short stature crop and a little bit of a taller crop, what we did is we we would cut the panicles off from once those panicles were fully extended. So you know what that that looks like when when it actually comes all the way up and you can see that, oh, yeah, there's wild out there kind of thing. Um, and so we started cutting that week and then we cut on a weekly basis until the seeds started to fall off of the wild oat. And when we would cut those panicles, we did it by hand. It was a very um, labor intensive project. Thank you, technicians and students. <laughs> um, we would cut those panicles off and we would take the seeds inside. Half of them we would use to uh, do a weight and a dry and a percent moisture. And then half of them we were 
measuring some crazy things to see if we could use it to predict viability. So wild oats always have the little on at the end of them. And when those seeds are mature, that on is at 90 degrees. So we wanted to see, could you measure the on angle? So yes, we had protractors. Um, and we were measuring the on angle to see if we could predict when wild oats were, seeds were becoming viable that way. It's not a great indicator. Um, the on angle changes as viability increases, but the on angle doesn't change very much for like a 95% increase in viability. So <laughs> we don't recommend going out and buying the protractors. It's not that helpful. And it's kind of hard to do. They're little. Um, but what we did find in it, it was a bit of a surprise to me. From the first week that we started clipping in lentils, so that's the earliest that we could see those wild oak panicles for sure. Um, we, we were able to start clipping about a week earlier in lentils than in meat. But right from the first clipping time, we had up to 10% viability in our wild oat seeds. And within a couple weeks after that, so I think it would have been by about five or six weeks after that, we were up to 95% viability of our wild oats. So that viability increases really, really quickly in those seeds, which means that if you're looking at clipping as a management strategy, you have to be out there very soon after those panicles are visible. So when about in the season was that, that you were seeing those panicles up? Mid-July to the end of July. Okay. Yeah. And how, how could this be implemented into a large-scale farm? Like, how, how can producers use this? Yeah, so producers are not going to go out with the little hand shears that we had, obviously. Um, there's actually uh, commercialized pieces of equipment that could technically do this, especially on a crop like lentils that is shorter. So there's a, a significant height difference between the wild oats and the crop. Um, but there's things like the comb cut, which comes from Sweden. Um, there's a Borgo weed clipper, I think is what it's called. There's one called the weed surfer, I think it is. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. Whether you're out in the barns or working in the fields, you can stay on top of farm management issues with the Mind Your Farm Business Podcast. We talk about human resources. We can attract the right candidates and that doesn't have to come at a high cost. We cover succession planning. It doesn't matter if the next generation is ready if the senior generation isn't. We talk about financial management. Number one, profits is your kingdom. Number two, cash is king. You can find all episodes of the Mind Your Farm Business podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or mindyourfarmbusiness.com. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Raymore, Yorkton, and Watrous, New Holland. Get ready for seeding with New Holland equipment from Raymore, Yorkton, and Watrous, New Holland. And brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devon at 352-1866. The 620 CKRM farm weather forecast, sunny sky today, a high 24 degrees. Clear tonight, some increasing cloudiness, wind becoming south 20, the low 12. Tomorrow, clearing sky, wind south 20, becoming west 20, the high 24. 60% chance of showers tomorrow night, the low 7. Wednesday, sunny, windy, the high 18, the low plus 5. Thursday, sunny sky, the high 18, and a low of 6. Friday, sunny, the high 20, the low 7. Saturday, partly cloudy with a high 22, the low 12. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high 28 degrees. Normal high for this date, 21, the normal low, 6 degrees. The sun rose at 4.58 this morning, and it sets at 8.53 tonight. 
And around the province, the hot spot is Prince Albert at 25 degrees. The cold spot, Collins Bay at 5. Estevan is 19, Saskatoon 24, Swift Current 21, Weyburn 19, Yorkton is 21. Sunny in Regina, it's 21 degrees, that's 70 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the north at 8, humidity 29%, the barometer dropping 101.6. Sunny in Moose Jaw 22, winds are from the north at 8. Once again, Regina, sunny and 21, that's 70 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall's Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com and Sask Municipal Hail Insurance. Farmers, get your spot loss hail insurance with SMHI online or connect with an agent. Storms are unpredictable. SMHI isn't. A team of University of Regina researchers are working on a high-tech project to help farmers reduce their environmental impact and improve economic returns. Led by U of R Assistant Professor of Engineering, Abdul Bias, the project will use high-tech maps and computer technology to help farmers precisely apply herbicides to weeds. Professor Bias says the research team is working with CropPro Consulting to use the technology on more than one million acres of prairie farmland. In this project, we are using artificial intelligence computer vision methods uh, to compute crop and weed densities and accurately map uh, their infield variation. So we use uh, uh, high-resolution field imagery and soil, water, and topography maps as input, and the result is homogenized weed management zones. Uh, just to make it clear, the SWAT is a patented method uh, of our industry partner, CropPro Consulting. Uh, CropPro is... Uh, uh, is headquartered in, in Nekam, uh, up in north. And we started this project last year, and my student, uh, Muhammad Hamza Asad, is, uh, is uh, playing a reading, leading uh, role in this one. So the benefit of this uh, project is uh, it's a sort of uh, helping the uh, manual scouting, so and getting rid of the uniform spring of the fear for herbicides. So traditionally what happens that the agronomist will go into uh, the selected fields and selected locations within those fields and find out like what type of weeds are there and how much is their variation and then apply uniform uh, spring of the herbicides. This is wasteful and also it's a time consuming and not a very good use of agronomist time. So what we want to is to, to get rid of that and find a solution which where we can selectively spray herbicides to the weeds where they are within the field. So it would be causing a huge reduction in the input cost in terms of the herbicides, will also reduce the environmental pollution and increase the yield and the economic returns for the farmers. So this is high-tech, precise application of herbicides and fertilizer? So this project is for the herbicides, the application of the herbicides. In addition, we also look at and understand how is the crop variation, but like what we were, were focusing in this one is like how are they, the weeds varying within the fields and how can we apply variable rate herbicides. So the company, uh, Crop Consulting, and using the, the SWAT maps for fertilizers and seed for variable rate fertilizer and variable rate seeds. And in this project, we are extending that to herbicides application. Where do you access these high-tech maps that give you such precise material information? So 
Crop Pro Consulting is building these maps. So they're using soil sampling and they, they build these uh, soil, water and topography maps. And they have the, the maps for many, many fields, like uh, around more than one acre. Um, one million acres of land is having those uh, those those things. So what we had, like it was a pilot project that we started last year, and we were doing it like for six fields, and the study is so successful. Now we're 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 going to extend it to all the six thousand fields, which is more than a, a million acres of land. So it's it's a very detailed process where they they take soil samples. They build electric, uh, electrical conductivity maps of the soils, and they use the the high precision DITK elevation maps, and they build like the soil potential maps. And it's a very very neat uh, process. Coming up, Professor Bias outlines the huge cost savings to farmers for precision application of herbicides. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And by YAC Auctions, the first name you should think of in the auction business, call 782-5999. As mentioned, University of Regina Assistant Professor Abdul Bias is leading a research project on 1 million acres of farmland to substantially cut herbicide costs. Working with CropPro Consulting, Professor Bias is using high-tech computer technology and maps to precisely apply herbicide only on target spots in a field. He says the savings can be substantial. How much savings are we talking about for a farmer for his herbicides? The, the exact amount is, is is very difficult to to continue. So we and our partner we conducted like a, a calculation based on the on the pilot study, and it's not just like the saving, but also like the improved data collection. So we were looking at a 160 times improved process for the same cost for the farmer. So, for example, like the farmer is uh, is paying like uh, 50 cents an acre uh, for the current process, uh, where we collect, where where our partner collect limited number of samples from limited zones. We can increase the number of samples they will be collecting, and then we can increase the lane uh, that we can we can survey uh, with with this automatic process. So the net growth or the net effect would be like that. We were calculating like 160 times better process and better results. So big savings. So it's, it's big savings. It's potentially big savings. Like what we have is like a big province and uh, our farms are, are huge or, or large. And if the weeds are concentrated in uh, in one part of the, of the of the field and we are spraying the entire field uh, with expensive herbicides. So it's, um, it's a cost for the former and also it's not good for our environment and also our human health. And it's also damages the crop. It's wasteful in, in multiple ways. So we can save those, reduce those herbicide use, apply the type of herbicides that we, can, that we need for the, for the weeds, and reduce the amount of, of usage. And it's significant saving for the farmers. Professor Abdul Bias is an assistant professor of engineering at the University of Regina. Back in a moment. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hollis Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And brought to you by Nelson GM, Assiniboia, and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. 
Grain prices were reflecting downward movement in early trading today. Viterra's prices for canola fell a dollar ninety at four twenty nine eighteen. Oats dropped a dollar seventy three at two fifty six seventy six. Number one red spring wheat declined sixty three cents at two twenty two seventeen. The rest were unchanged. Durham two sixty six thirty nine. Feed barley one eighty eight seventy one. Flax six hundred twenty nine dollars seventy nine cents. Lentils six thirty eight fifty. Yellow peas two eighty five eighty nine. Feed wheat, 182.70. U.S. markets are closed today for the Memorial Day holiday. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange at the close on Friday, July spring wheat fell 4.5 cents at 5.13 a bushel. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Assiniboia and Weyburn Livestock Auctions. Call Assiniboia, 642-4180 or Weyburn, 842-4574. And brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integratire in Grenfell your locally owned Integratire dealers. Now the latest livestock quotations. Heartland Livestock Market Report. Donnie Peacock reporting from the Swift Current Yard. Steady to strong cow market this week. Uh, the Canadian packers are actively involved here again, which is really good to see. Couldn't really call it a whole lot higher, but it definitely is snappier. We're averaging 78 cents per pound and all the cows sold through the ring. The bulls continue to be the bright spot in the market part. They average $1.19, sell up to $1.29.5 on some exceptional kind of bulls. And the feeder cattle, that news is pretty good around the circuit through the week as well. It's all the steady to maybe just a smidgen higher. Uh, light eight-weight sears trading into the low $1.90s range. Uh, you get to the seven-weight heifers. In that dollar seventy, uh, seventy-five, you might have a few of them even scratched towards getting into the eighties. Um, that's the way it is. Cattle country, Heartland Swift Current. Now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Ham sold fifty-five hundred hogs Friday, selling in a range of one sixty-eight to two hundred dollars per ckg. Today's sales are expected to be around seventy-three hundred head, selling in a range of one sixty-six to one ninety-eight per ckg. 100 index hog prices for the weekend ending Saturday, May 23rd are Ole West, 186, Maple Leaf, 175.39, Ham's Cash, 173.39, Thunder Creek Brickle, 179.73, High Life, 171.65, and High Life adjusted $203.61 per CKG. Ham's Cash hog price today is down. On Friday, the Canadian dollar was down four basis points, with the daily exchange rate at 1.4015. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 71.58 cents U.S. Hans Marketing Services Forward Contracting is closed today, Monday, May 25, 2020, for Memorial Day, USA. U.S. markets are closed today. And currently, the forecast for today, sunny with a high of 24. Clearing skies tonight, winds becoming south 20 and a low of 12. In Regina, sunny and 21 degrees, that's 70 Fahrenheit. Coming up, the Resource Report. The Resource Report. A NAFTA panel has backed the U.S. International Trade Commission's decision regarding softwood lumber imports from Canada. The U.S. Lumber Coalition says the decision affirms the U.S. ITC determination from December that the imports materially injured U.S. lumber producers. 
It says the harm is caused by the Canadian government providing its lumber industry massive subsidies and dumping those products on the U.S. market. However, the B.C. Lumber Trade Council says it remains convinced the determination is flawed and without merit. China is demanding the U.S. withdraw export sanctions imposed on Chinese companies in the latest round of a worsening trade conflict over technology, security and human rights. The foreign ministry says the U.S. violated basic norms of international relations and harmed China's interests in expanding a campaign against Chinese companies that Washington says might be security threats. On Friday, the Trump administration added eight companies accused of playing roles in a crackdown in China's Muslim northwestern region to an export blacklist. It also imposed controls on access to U.S. technology for 24 companies and government-linked entities it says might be involved in obtaining goods with potential military uses. Alberta Opposition Leader Rachel Notley says Premier Jason Kenney should reverse the decision to suspend most environmental monitoring of the province's energy sector. Last week, the Alberta Energy Regulator expanded previous monitoring suspensions for open pit oil sands mines to include the entire oil patch. The regulator says it did so to attract much-needed investment and to create jobs during the COVID-19 pandemic, but Notley predicts it will have the opposite effect. On the markets, Canada's main stock index posted a triple-digit advance in late morning trading, fueled by a broad-based rally on the Toronto Stock Exchange. The TSX Composite Index was up 151 points at 15,065. U.S. stock markets are closed for the Memorial Day holiday. The Canadian dollar traded at 71.52 cents U.S. compared with 71.35 cents on Friday. The July crude oil contract was up 35 cents at 33.60 a barrel. That's the Resource Report. Stay tuned for the closing grain prices at 1.45 this afternoon and an Agri-News report at 3.45 p.m. Tomorrow morning, there's another Agri-News report at 6.45 a.m. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming.